Shopping Gives is a social impact commerce platform that is creating the giving economy. From Deergo Collective, this is Responsibly Different. Sharing stories of certified B corporations and our journey of joining them in leveraging business as a force for good. Recently, I was on the Mir website. You might remember them from my interview with their founder, Brian Pape, back in episode eight. They make gorgeous stainless steel beverage containers with give codes engraved on the bottom where you can track the impact of your purchase. Super cool stuff. Anywho, I was purchasing a 32-ounce water bottle, and while checking out, I had the opportunity to donate beyond my purchase. And there was this little logo that said something to the effect of, powered by shopping gives. I got super curious and looked up shopping gives and learned that they were a certified B Corp. So of course, I immediately reached out to them to see if I could get them on the show. Here's my conversation with founder and CEO, Ronnie Sage. I should note, Ronnie and I had our conversation in mid-June, which is Pride Month, which is why you'll hear a lot of references to LGBTQ plus fundraising throughout the episode. I'm always curious about how startups start and the founder's journey, especially with social enterprises. So I asked Ronnie to walk us through how he built Shopping Gives and his transition from working for somebody to leading a startup. Prior to launching Shopping Gives, Ronnie worked for a digital marketing firm after working in education. He offers some great advice for anyone looking to start their own venture. I'm a big proponent of being an entrepreneur before you're an entrepreneur. That when you learn on somebody else's dollar, if you learn how to operate and if you learn how to innovate internally and to solve problems for the organization, you're better positioned to succeed as your own entrepreneur. So fail on somebody else's dollar, learn on somebody else's dollar, um, which is what I did there. So, you know, I had a thesis going into Rise Interactive where I was managing um, digital marketing. I was working with Gap, David Yearman, Nikon, all these large retailer and digital strategy. And uh, my thesis going into there coming out of K-12 Teachers Alliance, I worked at before then. I was working with the educators and I saw the need for fundraising within that space. And then coming to there, I had an idea of how we could turn affiliate marketing. Affiliate marketing is when a person or business entity receives commission for the sale of another business's product or service. To use my previous Mir purchase as an example, if I told all of you to go to Mir and use a particular code at checkout to save some money, and then Mir would use that code to track how many sales we sent their way and then delivered us a percentage of those sales, that would be an example of affiliate marketing. It can be a great win-win for all parties involved. The consumer saves a few bucks on a purchase and discovers a new brand. The brand is acquiring new customers, and the affiliate can generate income while helping their audience. Back to Ronnie. Into fundraising and how much dollars are being spent on the affiliate marketing side specifically to acquire customers. And my initial idea was, which is where we actually launched Shopping Gives, was as a marketplace on the affiliate side was we had nonprofit partners come and fundraise with us. When they shop through our platform, we would give back a percentage of, of dollars to the to the nonprofit that they were selecting. And so um, quickly learned uh, the cost, customer acquisition cost and the 
amount of traffic we were going to have to drive from the nonprofit side, um, which I'll get into in a moment how we got to where we are today as a, as a uh, organization. But um, at Rise Interactive, I gave them a non non compete and said, I'm going to be building this. That's what I did. So I had three full time employees when I was um, working there um, at the end of my uh, tenor there and living, you know, paying off my salary. I built this and I built this while I was on paternity leave. You know, day one of paternity leave, I um, started working for three months on this and, you know, two and a half months on this and then continued working at the company for another year. And uh, on my second year anniversary, had three full-time employees and uh, took the dive, paused and said, you know, what are we going to do and how are we going to scale this organization? It wasn't a scalable process. Um, you know, big proponent of if there's no bottom line, there's no budget. And even as a social capitalist and as somebody who has a mission of creating the giving economy and creating a mass amount of impact is that we have to have a sustainable revenue line in order to do so. Without a sustainable revenue, we are not going to grow. and We're not going to be able to create the impact that we truly want to create. So the transition from Rise to Shopping Gives and we're, how we got here today. So after we launched and we were a marketplace, you know, after two, a year of operating, we're looking at how we were going to scale. And we looked at the trends in the market and said, you know, what are the real problems that are facing all this, these sides of this paradigm of um, consumer retailers and of nonprofits? And so I look at this paradigm with the consumer on top and retailer on the bottom left and the nonprofit on the right. And there's a, you know, a value paradigm between the relationships and the retailers are looking for more meaningful, more, more, you know, they're looking to create more meaningful and more authentic relations with their customers. They're spending an absorbent amount of money on customer acquisition and it's limiting. It's, you know, who they can give to and how they give it is historically limiting. And when I look on the nonprofit side, they're spending you know upwards of twenty five cents per dollar that they raise to fundraise and to make their dollars, and it, you know ninety nine percent of these nonprofits don't have the means to have these partnerships with retailers and do cause marketing because of the expense and the cost. There's a lot of regulation, and to do it nationally would be um, you have to register in fifty states to do an online partnership as a nonprofit for solicitation agreements. So that's limiting for the local nonprofit to do a partnership with a a, a retailer. So that's a challenge on their end. And the consumer is looking for these more authentic relationships. We only have one pair of pants, two pockets, and one dollar. And you know, how am I going to split that dollar up? And you know, what we saw, and this is early on in the thesis, is that generation impact, millennials, Gen Z, you know, massive buying power that we're voting with our wallets, and we're looking for more authentic relationships with the retailer. And so we first looked at it and said, how do we solve for that interaction? If we if the dollars live with the retailer, how do we create a value exchange? And so looking at the space and seeing the, you know, the afterpays, the Klarna's, the Affirms, um, the integrated technologies paving the way for integrated commerce and frictionless commerce as part of the customer journey. We saw a massive gap in integrated impact and that no one was solving the problem of aligning each purchase with the customer's values. We have Amazon Smile, um, but it's only on Amazon. Why is Amazon doing it and nobody else is? And so we set out to enable everybody to really democratize impact and enable every retailer of any size to get back to any 501c3, no matter where they are, how much they want to give, removing the barriers of entry for 
this giving economy so that any retailer can really engage with any nonprofit. Any nonprofit is not prohibited to partner with these retailers of any size. You know, historically, you look at retailers as impact is unless they're a massive retailer, it was them asking in, you know, for the consumer to donate percentage or dollar amount or round up your purchase. And that's because the regulation around it does, you know, enables you to have an opt-in for the customer. But the moment you start talking about a percentage of dollars going back based on a purchase that triggers compliance and regulation and solicitation agreements and a lot of these uh, barriers to entry. And if the retailers don't know about it, um, you know, it's becoming a much more top of mind conversation, especially coming post COVID because there's so many eyes on it and so much dollars are going back to nonprofits that it's, it's creating um, headaches and legal issues on, on both sides. That's really cool. And I think it's so interesting that you stuck with that previous job while you built this. Cause I think so often we hear this narrative of, well, just quit your day job and like pursue your dream. And for so many people, that's just not practical. Right. Um, so I think that's great. Tell us a little bit about how shopping gives works. Shopping gives is a social impact commerce platform that is creating the giving economy. So we focus on really three key areas. Um, one is that regulation. Two is creating these authentic relationships with the retailer um, and the consumer. And three is the empowering the data to create more profitable and meaningful relationships um, as a retailer. So how does it work if you go to kennethcole.com or um, stevemadden.com? Two different examples. Kennethcole.com. This month, giving back to various LGBTQ plus IE causes and a percentage of each purchase goes back. No extra cost to the customer. It's more of a branded approach to impact. Here's what we stand for as a brand versus um, Steve Madden also giving back to um, various LGBTQ uh, causes, but they're letting the customer, they're, they're donating, but they're letting the customer donate and then they're matching that donation versus a uh, Notori.com, for example, women's luxury wear. They're letting the customer opt in and support their nonprofit of choice. So you can choose from one of their featured six causes, which are um, API causes that they're featuring. But then you can search from over 1.5 million nonprofits to support your individual cause of choice with that purchase. So that's an idea. Um, and then after the purchase, the customer can sign up for shopping gifts to track their impact across the entire giving economy of over 2000 merchants. That is so cool. And, and I have to say, so the way that I found you all was I was making a purchase on mirror.com who we've We've had their founder, Brian Pape, on the show, um, and it was so seamless. It was so seamless and so easy, and I just thought it was the coolest thing because it said, you know, this percent of your purchase was going to this water project. Um, it's so cool, and that's interesting. I didn't realize that there were different ways for people to utilize that. Are there if, – if people are – so like if there's a business that's listening to this and it's like, oh, that's really exciting. And there's a nonprofit that, that they have a really tight relationship with, but maybe isn't in that network. Can people propose new nonprofits to, to kind of join that, your network there? Yeah. So great question. So we have every 501c3, um, we have our proprietary database, 1.5 million. Any nonprofit that's in good standing with the IRS is eligible on our platform. We pre-scrub for OFAC, for the terrorist groups, for hate groups, um, you know, any 501c3 is available. Um, we know we have any merchant, any retailer, any brand that wants to engage with turnkey social impact um, in any way bespoke. Think about all the different ways you want to give, whether that be you giving a percentage by product, by SKU down to the individual level. 
capsule collection. So merge4.com, great example. They have different give get back collections that each product, each sock gives to a different nonprofit. Really cool um, way of using this. Or um, other partners, uh, kinderbeauty.com, you know, their subscription box gives to, you know, certain percentages versus their other products get to a different percentage. So you, you have double bottom line by margin because again, no bottom line, no budget. So it's margin sensitive, lots of retailers. So really empowering the retailer to give that makes sense for their business and that, that aligns with their values. So it can be to any 501c3, whether it's saying here are the causes that we support and here's why we support them. When we talk about impact, I want to take a step back. We talk about it under four key pillars here. We talk about it as your, your team, your community, your customer, and your product. That makes it a 360 authentic impact strategy. Those are the really four key pillars of impact that we talk about in a strategy. And around those pillars, we craft a strategy and have the tools to enable you to manage your impact around that and incorporate it into your marketing, incorporate it into your content throughout your social channels, your paid media, and then also measure the effects of doing good back to your bottom line so that we are empowering you to invest more into the impact. Um, so it, it, it's completely open to any 501c3. If a, you know, any nonprofit can engage, we do have a nonprofit page. So if a nonprofit wants to come on and say, do what we want to be featured or have a campaign, we have that. And then the nonprofit's always getting 100% transparency on the impact that's being created by merchant from us as well. So we provide those reports to them. That is so cool. I, I'm curious too, from the business perspective, when they set these up, are they able, so in the case where maybe there's the option for consumers to match or whatnot, right? Or if there's options for consumers to choose the nonprofit of their choice, is it really easy for them to see in the back end kind of, oh, wow, this percent of consumers are giving here or this, per, you know, like, does it kind of break out how folks are choosing to engage with the platform in a Absolutely. So we, so we have dashboards for the merch, for the retailer. I call them merchants because we have different types of merchants on our platform or retailers selling anybody <clears throat> who's creating impact, but they have a dashboard and can see, you know, by individual order or by nonprofit roll up, um, the total impact created, the number of consumers or purchases supporting them. They can see the AOV by nonprofit, by category. They have those insights to say, you know, consumers who support the environment spend 20% more, or have a higher AOV. We should be shifting our budgets to support those nonprofits or should be engaging those nonprofits deeper. So, you know, leveraging impact as a driver of their marketing and of their, um, of their business. That's really cool. I, and I'm curious too. So all of this kind of feels like it's very much in the context of, you know, kind of direct to consumer line, right? Like talking directly to, um, you know, products and, and things like that. I'm thinking about businesses that might be business to business. Is there a space in which somebody could utilize shopping gives for if they wanted to say, you know, if we have a particular line of service that we want to give a percent away that maybe gets built into a contract, like how does, how, what would that look like? So broader vision here is, you know, as we're building the giving economy, we started on retail, but we believe that impact should be with every action, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, every transaction in the future will be fueled with impact. Um, so for example, we have a partner called officehours.com right now, where you can offer your services as an advisor and a percentage or dollar amount, however you decide. So you can say it's $200 an hour to meet with Ben for podcast advising. And you can say that your $200, that $100 of it's going to go back to 
feeding America, or you can say that a hundred percent of it's going to go back to feeding America. So that when I go and book that time with you, it's going to transparently show you who you're supporting, show me who you're supporting and how much you're donating of your time. So that's one application. Um, and you can just think about how we're expanding out here. You know, we have a lot of really cool models, um, that we're moving into. That is really cool. And definitely it sounds like, it sounds like that's coming down the pike or is that a current offering? Office hours is live. They're a fantastic partner. You can go and go and work with them now, but we have the APIs to really do a lot of incredible things. Uh, you know, we're hot. If you dream it, um, as Walter E. Smith says, you dream it, we build it. You know, we have our core solutions, but our APIs are very flexible to create impact based on how, um, you know, the merchant and the, the retailer, the brand, the business wants to bring it to life. And we also have just launched our point of sale with Shopify. So we are the first Shopify app to offer point of sale on the channel impact. Oh, cool. That is really neat. So, so when you go into a store, you can shoot, you know, the store can, you know, you walk into a coffee shop. It's not only about you rounding up or giving back your money. They can say this purchase donates 1%, whatever it may be, to a specific nonprofit, or you can choose your cause right there from the iPad. That's amazing. I think that is so cool. And I think something that is definitely, um, so important right now. I mean, especially in the within the B Corp context, you know, their whole campaign around voting with your dollars. I feel like that 100% makes that more possible. Can you speak to a little bit from from your perspective and the perspective of Shopping Gives as to why this platform is so important? I'm going to go back to our value to one of our values is tomorrow today. And operating in construct of developing things before they're needed. And so, for example, COVID, you know, we were just bringing on our first two salespeople and then COVID hit and we, you know, had to let one of them go. We had to move one of them to, uh, you know, to an account manager because nobody wanted sales calls at that point in time. But then the world shuts down and overnight we grew 250%. Every retailer ran to us and turned, you know. Kenneth Cole was live in 48 hours on, on a, uh, you know, with us giving back to support the CDC foundation. And so when I think about tomorrow today and, and, and building for the future is that there are so many unknowns in this world. There's ebb and flows of tumultuous times. We are in one of those flows. Um, and it is whether it, you know, it's not easy as a business or as an individual to prioritize over everything else in this world, ongoing creating impact. Yes, there are absolute individuals. This is what I do for a living is I create impact on a daily basis. Everyone who comes to work here, every line of code they write is contributing to the giving economy and creating impact. And we are blessed and fortunate to have that as what we do every day. But to slow down and change and do something else to take an action is habit changing and sometimes difficult. And what we're doing is we're creating a native mechanism, but that is passive for you to engage in what's important to you and enabling businesses to engage and create impact with what's important to them. 
that's huge. And that can ripple out in infinite ways too, which is, which is really inspiring. How did COVID impact you all? Um, COVID, you know, grew our business astronomically and, you know, it, every retailer had to throw out their current marketing plans and shift the way that they were thinking. And, you know, in times of crisis, consumers look to retailers, brands, businesses to offset and take on the responsibility and to do that the right way, transparently. And, you know, in times, uh, you know, we, we, we came together and we rallied. I mean, think about a team of 10 at that point. We're at 30 now team of 10 at that point overnight was dealing with, I mean, we were watching installs come in every minute for partners to want to get back to the CDC foundation. Um, you know, we went from 650 ending 2019 to, it was like 12, like we literally grew like 500 merchants in a matter of like two months, less than that. So it, it was astronomical, but you know, we, we grew our processing over 2000% of transactions with donations, um, you know, year over year in that, you know, from a, from a March to March standpoint, you know, it, it was incredible to see this and just to see their amount of reaction from retailers stepping up to uh, support, you know, the communities. And it was across the board on, you know, who and CDC and nurse, you know, different medical nonprofits and fighting hunger. And just, it was, it was incredible to see. That is so cool. And and I think it's also just, to, it's, I feel like it's always nice to hear about when like the business community is coming together to serve the greater good. It's always inspiring to hear about for sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about the direct to consumer landscape. How has that evolved since the first few companies kind of broke onto the scene? That makes sense. And kind of speaking of consumers and businesses and the way businesses are spending, the U.S. market spends $200 billion on advertising and $25 billion on digital advertising. How do you connect the customers in a more meaningful way and within budget for, again, for businesses that may be listening? Yeah, I mean, we take – I look at it as something we call is, you know, RODS, return on donation spend. So how can we make those dollars more effective? Um, first, I want to start with if you're whitewashing impact and you're not doing it authentically, it's transparent. So when we have a conversation with a retailer, it's you can commit to impact and have it be, here's what we support and still let your customer choose and express why it's important that you're letting your customer support that nonprofit of their choice. But if we can enable as before that funnel even starts, before the customer journey on your site starts, that acquisition cost and those advertising dollars are being spent, enabling the retailers to make smarter decisions and shift and say, for example, we just did a case study with uh, Notori where they were running impact ads versus non-impact ads. And they saw a 2.5x on ROAS when impact was included versus their baseline ads. And we can fully attribute that. And then we can see the conversion increase and the average order value increase, and ultimately the lifetime value increase when customers are engaging 
with our technologies and engaging with impact throughout that journey. So we're making those dollars more effective. We're having them lower their cost of acquisition and shift those dollars into impact, which ultimately creates that win-win-win. That's awesome. Um, I'd love to hear about some of the dedicated partners that Shopping Gives has. I mean, we have a long list of them. Um, you know, some some of my favorites personally, I, I love one of my favorite things I'll just share with you is when I'm on Instagram and I go on a website that I don't know that is a partner of ours. That's how fast we're growing. Um, and I see our technology on their site. It's a very, very cool and humbling experience. Um, but, you know, some of my favorite brands, top of mind, I mean, they're all, we have incredible partners across the board, but Blind Barber, um, one of the men's focused, incredibly impactful, incredible founder, love, love what they're doing. Um, they're integrated with our loyalty system as well. So they utilize Yachtpo and Shopping Gives, enabling customers to redeem points for donations, which is a really cool experience. Like what Sephora was doing historically with Impact, where they're letting customers redeem points for donations. We've now expanded that and democratized that so that any retailer can have a point system with Swell Rewards, it is now Yachtpo, and redeem those points or reward customers with points when they donate their own dollars. So they're using that. Huron, another men's brand. I love those guys, like what they're doing. I'm talking personal here. Um, what, you know, what I, products that I consume uh, and, and use. Um, of course, Kenneth Cole is incredible. Greats shoes, um, greats.com. I have a few pairs of those. So it was very cool to have them as a partner. Um, they're doing incredible work um, for, for, the, for, the, uh, for the planet. And then uh, Enzo Rings. Um, I'm wearing my Enzo ring right now. If you go to Enzo, um, they're doing an LGBTQ plus uh, campaign right now for their rainbow um, bracelet. Um, this was for their global green campaign that they did. Um, so I got it engraved with Shopping Gives, of course. Um, so th- those are a few of our dedicated impact partners. But we have a list, of, you know, a list of them, um, and we we consider a dedicated impact partner a partner that has um, made commitments to the giving economy for at least an annual partnership with us. But we have, you know, over, from what you see on the website, an additional 1,800, not, if not more, partners who, you you know, you can shop at and and uh, create impact. That's great. I, I'm curious, too, how, how did B Corp certification kind of come onto your radar and what was that journey like? It's a journey. Um, how did it come on to, uh, it's not definitely not an easy, uh, easy certification to acquire. It was a, you know, nine month process, but, you know, very early on in the organization, I had seen B Corp as, you know, very, very early on in my career, I'd seen this at other brands. Um, Mirror, for example, it was one of the first companies I came across. Um, and I said, when we start this company, and we can afford and we have resources to go through this, let's, we're going to do it. And so as soon as we uh, had any team to support the process, we uh, prioritized it. And it's uh, it's an incredible community of individuals, um, incredible group of companies who are all mission focused. And, uh, you know, it keeps us honest, you know, the integrity of honesty. So like we are honest people, but it holds you accountable to that honesty and transparency, which is... Um, you know, remove the dissonance of what you believe to make it real when you have to track it, which is always fantastic. What was 
the most challenging part of working through the B impact assessment and how did you all move through that? One question at a time. <laughs> you know, there's like 300 questions on that thing. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I know that they've done some updates since we last applied. We're going to have to renew in the next year, I believe, um, and re- get a reassessment. But, you know, I, it took us, you know, a solid nine months. So, we, you know, I think we did it section by section and just started nailing it out. And as we changed, we went back and revised and we identified areas of opportunity because there weren't things that we were going to pass for if we didn't do them. And so we looked at the hardest things to achieve and we created a, a work back schedule and uh, started saying, you know, what do we need to do? Everything from how do we dispose of our batteries um, to shifting employees and thinking about W you know, 1099 employees, W2 employees, and the, you know, how do we handle employees and um, promotions and sharing of open roles and equal opportunity of roles. So all these considerations that we are continuously maintaining as an organization are now uh, top of mind and how we operate as a, not only certified B Corp, but you have to be a benefit corp in Illinois as a registered B Corp in order to have that status. That's great. And and kind of the flip side of that coin, what what was what's been the most rewarding part of being certified as a as a B Corp and kind of working through that B impact assessment? How much it aligned with what we were doing was very gratifying. Is that we were able to answer so many of the questions very clearly right out of the gate based on what we do as an organization. Um but the residual effects of that B Corp status has been um just pure validation in the market of um, being an elevated impact brand that with that commitment to impact throughout our organization. And there's always areas to improve Ben. We can always be doing more, but it, it, it is, uh, it keeps you honest. That's so real. And I think that's, what's so great about the assessment is with the, you know, need to recertify every few years. It's cool to actually see that growth too, which is pretty neat on that. No. So Shopping Gives was rated as the number two top startup to work for in Chicago by Tech in Motion. Just curious, what does Shopping Gives working environment look like? What's it like to work there? And I'll try to be non-biased, you know, but I'll I'll give you the real. I, you know, when I'm interviewing, I'm the last person typically to interview any new hire. I meet with every single, you know, every single potential employee. And I think the difference, you know, we are absolutely... Values, again, we are best friends is one of our values. We refill the coffee. So we are best friends means we're transparent, we're humble, we're approachable. We each enter every conversation like you're talking to your best friend with positive intent that even if there's transparent feedback, you know that it's coming from a good place with love. Um, So, you know, that is a very important value to me individually. You know, my friends would always joke that Ronnie doesn't have friends, he has best friends. And so it's, uh, I was able to bring that value um, when we were doing our values uh, exercise a few, many, many, three years ago as an organization, that was one of the ones that I loved and I brought to the organization. And, you know, it's one of our favorites um, that we talk about consistently. And uh, we refill the coffee. Um, you know, as an organization, we go to help people. And, you know, we're, if some, the coffee pot is empty, we refill it. We ensure that. If something's dropped, if somebody needs help on something, we're going to go and we're going to help them. So on a morning stand, every morning at 9.06 a.m. on the dot. So 9.06, that's purposefully we 
instead of being awkward time so that everyone's prompt and on time, is our morning stand with our growth team. And uh, on that stand, um, you know, you will hear people talk about refilling the coffee and going for tomorrow today and going for the galaxy and being a best friend. And we're using those throughout our experience. But, uh, you know, when we think about our organization, we are a team. A team is different than a family. Um, I know I, I love the, the concept of tribe mentality, um, but I think that there's some sometimes challenges in that tribe mentality because I think that there's individuality, which is what's important. And a tribe tends to look a lot like the same type of people. And I am a believer that culture is made up by the individuals who, and the culture shifts and changes. It is the leadership's job to direct that culture in a positive way and hire people that align with the values. And if you're hiring people who align with the values then the culture manifests into new and incredible things. And, you know, it's a team though, because highest perform, you know, only high performers stay. And, you know, we have had almost no churn. Um, we actually lost one employee and we just hired him back. He was one of our first employees when we were a very, very small company. And now he's back with us, but we absolutely have let people go. And it's a, one of the hardest things I have to do, you know, I'm, um, I built this organization and, you know, my business partner, and I, Phil, we built this to be way bigger than ourselves. And so we have to keep that in mind is that you, a team knows that you're holding each other accountable and family is there no matter what we are here, no matter what as a team, but if somebody's not performing, we have to make hard decisions. And so when you work at shopping gives, you know that the person next to you is working just as hard as you are. And I'll say that we are not a ping pong culture. You know, we have a lot of fun and we have great times and we love each other and we play and we are best friends. And when we play, we play hard, but you know, the shopping gives enables you to do what you want to do on your time. And that's your time. And when you're working, I don't care when that is, as long as you're making meetings, you're doing what you're doing. And we're typically all working on the same cadence here, but you know, if third Thursdays we have every third Thursday, we close the office at three o'clock and you have an extra two hours to do whatever you want to do, spend time with your family. And that's your time. So it's more about um, a team that works hard. People play hard together, but it's not a requirement to work hard, play hard. You work hard when you're here. Your time is your time. Do what you want to do on your time. My job is to empower you and give you the resources and means to support you to feel fulfilled how you want to feel fulfilled as an individual. Sounds like a really great work-life balance. It's challenging. I'll say that we hustle hard. I'm not going to bullshit. Excuse my language, but uh, it's definitely a work, definitely a lot of work. The balance is finding that balance. And yes, um, work-life balance is, is very important, but we're, we are still a startup and we grind and everyone works, you know, comes here and they feel fulfilled. It's not work. You know, we, we do play hard and people take, you know, everyone takes vacations and takes time off and does whatever they want to do on their time. But, um, employees who start at 7 a.m. and end at 4 p.m. or 6, you know, 8 a.m. and end at 4 p.m. or different time zones, you know, we're everywhere and now we're distributed. So whatever works for them and then on their time, go be with your family, do what you want to do that makes you feel fulfilled. What does the future of retail look like? I mean, people are talking a lot about how brick and mortar stores are going to be a thing of the past. Do you think that's true? Do you think they're headed towards extinction or do you think we'll see a revitalization there? Oh yeah. I think that, you know, per our commitment to launching point of sale with Shopify, 
um, in still in the midst of COVID is that retail is coming back. Um, it's going to come back in a different form. I think that again, those expectations are going to shift and there's going to be, you know, there's new requirements of how the consumer is expecting that frictionless experience in store, um, contactless and buy online pickup in store and some handholding experiences and, um, some space in their experience and impact of course, in their experience. But, um, I think we're going to see more D to C experience, more, um, you know, D to C is a blended term. Now I don't think it's any more pure play experiences. You know, I neighborhood goods is one of our partners and they're, you know, um, more of those types of experience, curated malls, curated experiences. Um, I believe that Amazon's on at some point going to buy, um, shopping malls and, uh, make them fulfillment centers. You know, I truly believe that malls are going to come more experiences and fulfillment centers. That makes a lot of sense for folks listening that are looking to be more responsible consumers. How can folks be shopping smarter? Lots of good resources. Fin versus fin. There's a lot of these, um, the vertical, the vertical is a fantastic website. Um, D2C startup, but they curate impact and you can shop by impact. That's not no relation to us at all, but like these are things that I enjoy going to that is just shopping smarter. Finverse Fin, another great website um, where you can review D2C brands and products and you can sort by brands who support impact and how they, how they give. Those are great. And thank you for that. Uh, anything else you want to add or anything that I didn't touch on that you were hoping I would? Um, no, I think that it was a, uh, Fantastic conversation. You know, if uh, anybody wants to learn more, please visit us at uh, shoppinggives.com or at shoppinggives on any of the social platforms. And then you can follow me at RD Sage on all the platforms and uh, happy to engage with any listeners. We are creating a movement. We're just, just the beginning of creating the giving economy. And so we, uh, we have a lot of exciting things ahead that we're, we're working on. So uh, reach out for a conversation. We'd love to connect. to level up through action and impact. This segment is meant to provide you with ways you can get involved in a local and global level with one challenge mentioned in the episode. You can do all of what follows or choose your own adventure. If it feels overwhelming, I'm encouraging you to listen for one action in the following listed actions to give a try. If we all make even the smallest of changes, you would be amazed at how it can ripple out. Shopping Gives is all about supporting the giving economy through point of purchase sales and donations. But you don't have to wait to purchase something somewhere to give back to your local community. Find a cause you care about that is local to you. Get to know the organization. Sign up for their email list. Research the impact that they're having. Volunteer with them. When you find an organization that feels like it's in alignment with your values and that you care about, make a monthly donation to them. Those monthly sustainer donations help nonprofits plan for the future because they are dollars they can count on. One of my favorite local nonprofits is Maine Transgender Network. They offer peer-to-peer support groups all across the state of Maine for trans folks and their friends and family. I have a recurring small monthly gift that auto-drafts off my account every month so I don't even have to think about it. It makes it painless and easy. 
I encourage you to find your local nonprofits, and I'm willing to bet they have the same monthly sustainer programs. Now, throughout the course of this podcast, we've brought you interviews with key decision makers from B Corps of all sizes and industry backgrounds. We're on a mission to help support and grow the B Corp movement because we believe if all businesses measured their impact and were held accountable to that impact, this world would be a very different place and for the better. So while we have B Corp interviews booked up through November, we're going to be on a mission to introduce new B Corp certification to social enterprises that might not be aware of it. If you want to get involved and help us in this mission, shoot us an email with the names of some of your favorite social enterprises that are currently not certified B Corps, and we'll reach out to them, send them some info on B Corp certification, and invite them on the show to answer any B Corp questions they may have. Next time on Responsibly Different, I chat with hip-hop icon Fab Five Freddy and Bernard Noble, who served eight of a 13-plus year sentence for the possession of the equivalent of only two joints of cannabis. In 2018, Bernard was released from prison, and in that same year, American states earned over $1.4 billion in tax revenue from legal cannabis sales. And over 600,000 people were arrested for cannabis possession. Their new brand, Be Noble, is a social enterprise in the cannabis space working to support folks like Bernard. Bernard shares his experience inside the criminal justice system and Fab shares how the war on drugs was a war on people of color and how it's interwoven into the history of hip hop, jazz and so much more. And the demonization of the jazz musicians way back in the 20s and 30s like Louis Armstrong, uh, Duke Ellington, all of these people were uh, persecuted and hounded. So it's just an interesting story. When you get the info, you connect these dots and you go, oh, now I see what's been going on. It's an incredible fight. We've been winning some battles, but the, the war to end the war on drugs is still ongoing. Till next time, be responsibly different. This is a production of Deergo Collective. Claire Clausen is our project manager. Jeremy Glass is our writer. The music is an original score by our very own Kevin Oates. And I, Ben Marine, am your host and editor. To learn more about Deergo Collective, visit deergocollective.com.